thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 35. No more be grieving at that which thou hast done. Roses have fawns, and silver fountains have mud. Clouds and eclipses stain both moon and sun, and loathsome canker lives in the sweetest bud. All men make faults, and even I in this, authorising thy trespass with compare, myself corrupting, solving, salving, salving thy amiss, excusing thy sins more than thy sins are. For to thy sensual fault I bring incense, thy adverse party is thy advocate, and gainst myself a lawful plea commence. Such civil war is in my love and hate that I an accessory needs must be to that sweet thief which sourly rubs, robs from me. God, almost. I'm doing lots of grunting at the end of these sonnets. And, and I apologise for my pronunciation of THs because they're Fs where I come from and they're always going to be Fs. Um, that was sonnet 35 with a little rant from me at the end. I'm Mark Chatterley and I'm joined by the, the lovely, smiley, happy gay in the old sense <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm yeah <laughs> Jerry uh, and, and we're going through all the Shakespeare sonnets and we're up to 35 which puts us you know about a fifth of the way through something like that yeah yeah fifth of the way yeah we are getting there slowly so we're, we're doing quite well I think um what do you think about this sonnet Thierry uh, too many complicated well not complicated words it just reading it, it sounded fairly horrible. Well, not the way you read it, but... but <laughs> You're thinking, dig some more. Have, having to read it out loud, I'm sure I'm going to screw up later. Probably even worse than the last one. <laughs> the last one was good. I like that. It's, it's fine. So, no one noticed. I don't think anyone noticed. Don't don't bring it up and no one will know. No. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> it, it has some nice imagery in it. Uh, a silver fountain's mud. I was talking about slightly earlier. I Because uh, you brought up roses and thorns, which is such a dull observation um but silver fountains mud i love the idea that you have this resplendent silver fountain that cost millions and, and obviously because it's stuck on a load of grass and it's spraying water everywhere it's covered in mud which is such a nice i think a lovely idea and and clouds and eclipses both stain uh stain both moon and sun uh, and loathsome canker lives in the sweetest bud canker i think in this sense i know is an oldie fashioned word for cancer or, or or what we would now call cancer. Is that the case? Yeah, apparently it's a disease which destroys flowers. Oh, okay, so it's which, got... Which, which makes sense. Loathsome canker lives in sweetest butt, so it's basically... Yeah, destroying it from the inside. Yeah, which yeah, and I, maybe that's how it, it became. I know I read a book um, for my dissertation which had the word canker in it, meaning, meaning cancer. Um, so, or, or, or growth, because they didn't really know the difference between any other growth mm-hmm. and cancer. Yeah, cancer. Uh, well, that that makes sense. I mean, the cancer is basically a disease which destroys you from the inside. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that does make sense. We're not flowers. No one is a flower, but uh, still the same sort of uh, concept. That's quite a poetic thing. No one is a flower. I could see that going into a poem, but that's your first line. No one is a flower. I'm going to write that later <laughs> when we finish recording. <laughs> but oh, I want to hear it. I want to see it. Um, <coughs> But yeah, it's still about we're still talking about faults and 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 um, 
resolving someone, I guess, or absolving someone from the crime, I guess, is still being talked about here. All men make faults, and even I in this, authorising thy trespass, would compare myself corrupting, salving? Salving thy amiss. Mm. Odd word. I, 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 yeah. And, and uh, excusing thy sins more than thy sins are. That's a very odd line. Excusing thy sins more than thy sins are. Is if saying he's been excused of more than he's actually done. Is that how you're reading? That? Well, I, I I read it as that because before that he says uh, authorizing that trespass was compare myself corrupting. So he's he's basically Shakespeare is almost going overboard to come up with reasons why the youth didn't sin. Yes, or or did, but it wasn't a big deal, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he did just kiss another boy, and then Shakespeare is turning into this this massive issue, and now he's trying to excuse it as if it were this massive issue. Yeah, yeah. That... So he's, he's excusing more more of the sin than there was actually committed, and he's trying to build the fair youth back up from this fault-ridden state. Yeah. It's now in back to where he was before. I, I quite like, I don't know if it's particularly good to do this, but it is quite nice. These sonnets seem to play into the whole it actually was a physical relationship aspect. And I don't like forcing gayness onto things. Um, I, I suppose I should qualify with that, which I am gay. Because <laughs> otherwise that sounds a bit weird. But You, you homophobe. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you see people at the very slightest reference going oh well that character's gay and this person's gay and i don't like doing that but there seems to be more and more in the sonnets that that is suggesting it's more than a admiration and even if there was no physical relationship there seems to be a, a, a it's more than deep friendship and it's more than love of a best friend it's it seems one step beyond that or at least that's how i'm reading it maybe maybe i'm forcing it in un, un intentionally I'm not I'm still not convinced whether there actually was a physical relationship or whether Shakespeare just wanted one yes there, there might there might have been a physical aspect as in interest physical interest in the youth but up until this point I I, I don't see that anything has actually happened between the two and and of course there's obviously the writer's prerogative that that when I write and I write in the first person, I'm not. I'm not me. I'm not necessarily me. Yeah, yeah. So, the- although people don't really tend to get that with poetry, you you can read a play. We read Hamlet, and no one goes, "Oh, Hamlet, that's obviously Shakespeare." Yes, that's obviously him. But in the po- in, in a poem or sonnet, in this case, it, everyone just sort of expects it to be the truth. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Yeah, actually, that is that is true. But I suppose, in in one sense, poets are more linked with their poems. You always think of Shakespeare's sonnets, and you always think of Wordsworth's and Blake's. It's always the authors. Whereas with plays, unless you're very famous, like Pinter or someone like that, they're not they're not so and so's plays. There, there's a there's a level of abstraction between the writer and the the medium, which poetry doesn't seem to have, so I wonder if that plays into it. Yeah, but I mean, we we, we do it with ev- well, not that I was saying plays, but we do it with everything. We have Dickensian novels, we, yeah. we have Orwellian fiction, we have. That's true. 
we, we, we have J.J. Abrams doing Star Trek and Fringe and it, obviously that's, that's, that gets to a point where it's so much science fiction that we, we all just go, no, it can't be real. But, 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 but in, in any sort of art or fiction, there, there's always a point where, where you could go, yeah, why, why do people not see an autobiographical part in that? And I suppose, yeah, I wonder if it's to do with how grounded they are. Again, I'm going to go back to Victoria Wood as an example, uh, because I love Victoria Wood. Uh, the, the series that I've lent you, which you can't watch because you've not got a DVD player at the moment. If anyone wants to buy Tiaria DVD player, please do get in contact so he can watch Dinner But I'll find it. I'll check iTunes and see if it's on there. But the characters are very down to earth. They're, they're realistic northern down-to-earth people and and i can't help but when i watch it feel that each character has a part of victoria wood in it not necessarily uh, a real life experience i don't think it's acting out her real life but in terms of people she knows and situations she's been in it seems to be more real but that i think might be in the same way with poetry a a false impression because it's down to earth, and when it's down to earth, we tend to try and put ourselves in the places. Whereas, like you're saying with with Star Trek, it's so weird to us. We don't tend to put ourselves in the characters' places. I mean, we'd all like to be there, but we don't watch it going, "Oh, I relate to that person." In in well, you you can relate on an emotional level, but not but... in a direct sense, I guess is what. Yeah, yeah, you can't go, "Oh, I understand that decision not to invade planet such and such." Yeah, whereas. I, I I understand what love is and unrequited love is. Yeah. I think most people have understanding of that, maybe. Unless you're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say unless you're unlucky, but then I thought, in fact, people who are more unlucky are probably more likely people to... People who've never experienced unrequited love are probably the lucky ones. Yeah. But then it's an emotion that you need to go through as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it builds character it makes you distinguish that as, as i was having a chat um with with the other half the other day uh, which sounds this is gonna sound really bad but everyone settles uh, everyone settles because no one is ever going to be your perfect partner because in your head and in the same way that these sonnets are addressing it perfection doesn't exist so no one is going to be every single thing you want so everyone in in some mm. level settles now i'm not talking about going you're com- i find i'll take him he's good enough yeah, I, I find of, you yeah. completely ugly therefore i'm gonna I, it's not that kind of setting but in the sense that maybe they're not quite as smart as you wanted them to be but they're near enough and maybe they don't dress in the same way you want but they're near enough so everyone settles in that sense um so yeah but i i think this has been a long talk sorry <laughs> Yeah, this this going back to this is is maybe we we identify with Shakespeare, and we think it is Shakespeare because it's that kind of we can understand what he's going through. Yeah, that was the actually I guess was, comedy is another one where we take everything as autobiographical, as in stand up comedy when stand up comedians tell stories from their lives, everyone just accepts them as the truth where they could be completely made up. Yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. And I think probably in most cases are made up. Because... I, I hope that there's some really, really bad stuff out there happening otherwise. <laughs> so just a very select few people as well. Just, just some, yeah, yeah. And Well, either that or that, just the way they cope with it, where there's other people just, I don't know, go to Weatherspoons and get drunk and punch someone in the face. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then people, comedians aren't the people you see on TV. 
those the the people you see on TV are very carefully crafted characters. So he, I, yeah. and I'm talking about people like Jack D and Russell Howard and and um, uh, Brand and all these other comedians. God, all the names just flew out of my head then. But each one of them has a role, and that's why the panel shows work so well. Like David Mitchell. David Mitchell has that upper class not connecting to culture that's probably not what he's like in fact it's fair i'm fairly sure it's not because his writing is actually quite culturally relevant but that's his character yeah he does make a lot if you read his uh observer column he he does make a lot of references to other stuff that's going on so yeah so they, they all have the established characters because it allows everyone to riff off each other knowing how they're going to respond and and that's not if you meet david mitchell he's not going to be like the david mitchell you see on on lie to me or whatever other show he's mm. going to be which which is a shame yeah. well they had that on, on would i lie to me with uh what's it, his face uh robert webb yes who, who's always playing a bit of the knobhead and the, the good for nothing sort of person and then he went on about how he learned juggling just to show off to his kids and because they like juggling he actually had a personal trainer that taught him how to do that. And you just go, that's, that's, I didn't know you had kids. I'm just not interested in personal <laughs> life of celebrities. And it's like, that's, that's actually really, really sweet. And it doesn't work at all with that character that he's built up for himself. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. And so, and so I guess if we draw this back to the sonnet, it's that I don't know. And I don't think the assumption should be made that these sonnets are autobiographical. They, they they could just be a, a couple of characters Shakespeare's dreamt up in his head. That's that's what I I'm I'm going for. That was a very long winded way for me to say I'm not convinced Shakespeare's gay, wasn't it? That was me covering yeah, my ass yeah, and yeah. and <laughs> I was against the wars, boys. <sighs> anyway, uh, sorry, I'll let you talk for a bit now. I, I'm pretty sure we will never actually know whether he was gay unless someone does come along and <laughs> changes the laws of physics and manages to build a time machine to go back to uh, the 1600s. And then we can send in an army of gay men to flirt with Shakespeare. <laughs> we'll send him back Gogwan. And if Shakespeare isn't gay yet, he will be gay afterwards. <laughs> Are you saying Gokwang has some sort of superpower to turn people gay? Well, he he would just look up and, and clean him up because obviously Gokwan is all about beauty and... A lot of waxing and, and makeup and all that sort of stuff, and I can't imagine Shakespeare. Oh no, anyone at the time <laughs> knowing a lot about that stuff at all. No, they barely knew about soap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we need soap. Just a bit of perfume. Exactly, exactly that. For Febreze, <laughs> the students' cleaning method. Which, which, yeah. I'm just gonna Febreze this jumper. <laughs> Um, uh, that I, <laughs> unless you have something else to say about this sonnet, which we've not talked about at all, it's no, we've not said a single thing about this other than there's a few nice lines. Yeah. Well, we, we 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 still have some Christian imagery in this. Ooh. We have uh, authorizing thy trespass, which yes reminded me of the Lord's Prayer. Obviously, forgive us our trespasses. Yep. He talks uh, about sins a lot. Uh, yeah, which leads- he does go into. Uh, legal speak as well thy advocate and the lawful plea commences and yeah uh, and but then it goes into civil war such civil war yeah. is my is my love and hate that i an accessory needs must be so so uh, to that sweet thief which sourly robs from me it's is as if suggesting that that the fair youth has done something against shakespeare or, or the character we're going to call shakespeare 
and and he's trying to forgive it but there's a civil war on his head between the love he feels for the fair youth and the the hate that the fair youth has done something to him done something bad which which is a very relatable feeling as I, as I said before a lover can forgive but it's not you don't just get over something whatever he did you're not just going eh, it's fine yeah. you, you, there is a period of forgiveness and working it through if you want to work it through which which apparently shakespeare does yeah there there is definitely a sense of uh, even though this is he's not sure he can excuse the person because there's that civil war in his head there is a sense of he 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 you know excusing my sins more than they are he wants to he wants to get past this and carry yeah, on with yeah, his doting he wants the perfect being back yeah which i again is an understandable because i i'm i'm sure that's where a lot of religious feelings come from you you want to have a relationship with someone who's perfect when we're all fundamentally flawed we 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 don't have full control over what we do in the sense that when you're incredibly horny you do stuff that you wouldn't do when you're not incredibly horny and when you're incredibly hungry you'll eat stuff that you wouldn't eat if you weren't incredibly hungry there's there's a base level in in humans that that we are controlled by our, our chemical based natures at times that's i've never really i mean i was theoretically christian well i, I did believe in god for a while but i never really had that needing a relationship with a perfect being okay I, I for me it was more that sort of i needed to know that something more was out there okay well maybe that's that there's maybe there's more than one there probably is more than one core or, no i'm just i'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying uh, it just, i just i never really had that idea that that i needed a relationship with a perfect being it's definitely i guess, I guess I've, I've had that more when i was in love i i, yeah. I guess i can relate more to that sort of instinct sort of oh you're you're perfect sort of the initial phase and then they turn out to be human a vile yeah. person and yeah human <laughs> or, or human <laughs> as you people call it but there, there, there's uh, there's definitely a sense in at least british um christianity definitely i'm not wholly sure about any other religions um just because i don't have as many friends in other religions i do but not as many so i don't have as wide a net to draw from but there's definitely a sense in british christianity to have a relationship with god it's all about your your th- personal relationship that, with the divine it's fair from what i remember i haven't gone to church in i don't know i mean i left the ch- i'm not officially in a church anymore oh, sinner but like yeah, yeah, I actually wrote. To, I wrote to the archbishop and said, "I don't believe in God. Please put, you know, cross me off the register." And yeah, did he? I'm out. He sent. He'd cut your name out, and he's no. They actually they 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 just cross you out from the register in the church where you were baptized. Okay, you're officially kicked out then. Ah, see, but but I suppose if... I forgot my point now. No, but but I, I um they they do talk about relationships with with God, but I I I just thought well that's. I don't know. Just I, I saw a relationship more as a sort of connection with him. Okay. Maybe I'm I'm because I've... I I obviously wasn't a good Christian. Otherwise, I wouldn't have left the church. <laughs> but but I, I I'm quite happy to be corrected on these things because when I was a Christian, I'm, I'm not saying in... you're wrong. I'm just saying that's that's an aspect yeah. of it that I personally never saw. Yeah. Well, I I could easily be wrong because my when I was a Christian, I wasn't a Christian. If that makes sense, I was a Christian because it was what you are if you're white and raised in england or britain that's what you are and then i realized that was stupid and i kind of started exploring other religions and i i switched and then i realized 
that that all religions are a bit weird uh, and then i became kind of agnostic and then i kind of went actually no and that was my religious journey over <laughs> the space of quite a number of years i, I just read christopher hitchens and went yeah, this guy does have a point. <laughs> oh, when you're reading Christopher Hitchens, does every couple of pages it just descends into incoherent gibberish where he got drunk and then falls asleep, and then the next day it's nice and clear again. <laughs> just... uh, it descends. It... <laughs> Sorry, bad Hitchens joke. He does some fair. He does some fairly constructed arguments. His his deconstruction of Mother Teresa is oh, evil, pretty compelling. Evil woman. If anyone out there yeah, still thinks Mother yeah. Teresa is a good woman, you need to learn she was an evil horrible yeah. witch chapter of a woman. was it four or five in god is not great it's yeah there's there's there's, there's uh, suffering brings you closer to god so all these people who are dying in her hospital since she set up no painkillers she she made them suffer when she was ill no no she got flown to some specialist private hospital where she was doped up to the nines and it, what's worse is, is she didn't necessarily think that the suffering brought the person who was suffering closer to God. She thought it brought her closer to God. So she was making people suffer so she could have a better relationship with God. She was an evil, vile witch of a woman. Sorry. Well, didn't they, after, after she died, they found out that she apparently stopped believing in God when she was like 20 or 21. And then the rest of her life was just basically her trying to get that belief and faith back. <sighs> it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. And oh winds me up i was on a training course where they went you know uh, name people you really look up to and loads of people in the room went mother Teresa, and i was just like no you look up to the image that she's been given in the media which okay is actually probably a very very carefully constructed which image, is probably yeah. a very good thing to look up to actually if, if you truly if you if you take her away from it and, and just look up to the media image wonderful that's fine but don't ever for a second think that she was actually like that she was horrid and evil and and the fact that she's on her fast track into sainthood is disgusting i don't yeah (laughs) anyway anyway let's end that now that suddenly our viewing figures drop because all the religious people are no longer listening um let's let's let's, you can read out sonnet 35 (laughs) sonnet 35 no more be grieved at that which thou hast done Roses of thorns and silver fountains mud. Clouds and eclipses stain both moon and sun, and loathsome canker lives in sweetest bud. All men make faults, and even I in this, authorising thy trespass with compare, myself corrupting, salving thy amiss, excusing thy sins more than thy sins are. For to thy sensual faults I bring incense, thy adverse party is thy advocate, and gainst myself a lawful plea commence. Such civil war is in my love and hate that I an accessory needs must be to that sweet thief which sourly robs from me. Those those last three words got me on my read through. Yeah. That was Sonnet 35. Thank you for listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. I've been Mark Chatterley and you can follow me on Twitter with at Nufkin. And I've been Thierry Hillers and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. Awesome. Thank you very much, Thierry. We shall see everyone else again next time. Goodbye. You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.